thirsty. <laughs> oh, yes. Let's do what uh, Julie asked us to do. So what does your Voss water, which was in your writer, if you will, yep. <laughs> what is your Voss water um, flavor and do you want to keep it? I, well, it's orange colored, which leads me to believe it's orange flavored. Okay. And yours is green or yellow? Or? This is yellow. It oh, does then. have a green tint to it because of the um, cup. What is this called? Um, coaster. Coaster. Thank yeah. you. It's cloth, so it kind of threw a curveball yeah. <laughs> at me. Uh, so what is... Um, mine says lemon cucumber. Uh, I don't have my glasses, so... <laughs> oh, here. Let me read says, it. Yours says um, tangerine lemongrass. Oh, well. Tangerine lemongrass. I'm sold on the tangerine lemongrass. Okay, let's oh. do it. All right. We'll open it, cheers it, and then I would love for you to introduce yourself. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. For everyone listening, thank you for listening. We have a very special guest, as we do every week on Looking for Artists. And today I'm glad that I've found this artist who I've seen multiple times. And we'll, I'll get into that. Uh, later, but I've seen him multiple times. I've caught videos of him on my phone. He's a very special person to me, even though this is our first time meeting. Without further ado, this is Gonzalo Silva. I am a singer-songwriter, bass player, full-time busker, otherwise known as a street musician, um, playing in the subways of New York City for a living. How long have you been doing this? I've been doing this since I graduated Berklee College of Music in Boston, where I'm from originally in the 90s. And I did several years in Boston, and then I tried my luck in New York in the year 2000. In fact, Y2K, in January 1st, I, I arrived to New York, and I've been on a journey since. And um, for last, but I've been um, back and forth to Massachusetts, and, and for a while there, raised a family. We had a daughter and hmm. had a domestic life, and then couldn't reconcile domestic life with artistic live, life or living. And um, I've been back in New York full-time five years. But uh, I haven't had a job. I haven't, I haven't done anything but play on the streets my whole life, adult life, I suppose. Play bass. Play bass and sing my songs. Okay, so Boston. Yes. What was your degree? It was, I had to settle for what's called a professional music degree. I, ideally, I wanted to either have a degree on songwriting or in bass playing, um, but neither program really approved of my approach. Um, the songwriting major, I had to, to, to graduate the major, you have to do the basic keyboard requirement, and um, that's what kept me from following that curriculum. I'm oh, okay. purely a bass player. I could have done it, but I just couldn't really, I just didn't want to learn another instrument or even if it meant basic understanding, it's a logical thing. And then the bass department, um, I've, I've developed my own songwriting style playing chords on bass, and um, they thought it was cool and all that, but they weren't really supporting that. And so the professional music major, which is a major most students leave with, is kind of a customized major allowing me to t cherry pick what classes I want up to a point and then you know just fulfill the minimum requirements. And so, and technically I... I, I I didn't really, I was a half a credit short of graduating, but um, I was able to waive that because I sat in uh, at, in an ensemble for one of my teachers and he gave me, so that's technically what gave me my degree. Um, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't really had a job since. 
other than playing on the streets. Other than playing your music. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting that you say that because um, I went to school for classical voice for two years. And I realized slowly, but very surely, that the more I studied it um, in, in that institution, the more... I fell out of love with creating it myself, which was my, it was the foundation of my relationship to music. So when we were introducing new aspects of it, like music theory and the history of music, it was all coming from this place that wasn't like rooted in anything. It was kind of just floating. Music became this thing that was detached because I was approaching it from such a confined perspective. And it's weird that your path that you were on and that you are still on was kind of being um not accepted among your your colleagues in your academy if you will you know and it's it's weird because to me it's like it's like we're not learning our lesson as humans throughout time look at everything that's interesting and that shapes culture truly is stuff that like goes against the grain and that's different and new and part of the reason why you're on this podcast is because your music spoke to me. It literally pulled me out of the noise of the city because I had never heard a sound like that before. I've heard bass, you know, guitarists play chords, and it's just nothing. Like, I've never heard music like yours before. And, and I have to admit, that's why I keep doing it, especially at my age. It's just my voice. I've refined it, and um, the last thing I want to do is throw in the towel just because I've invested so much of my life into creating my sound. And... And I, even though, and I've, I've evolved a lot, but I, I just knew in my heart, and I look back that it, this was, there, there couldn't have been any other path but the path I've been on. And mm -hmm. and I have to say, fundamentally, the, the the biggest thing I get out of playing on the streets is, it's to me, it's it's just very spiritual. It's extremely spiritual. Um, um, dealing with the voices in my head and dealing with every walk of life that comes across my music, and. And I've had to fight a lot of those voices, filter them out to get in touch with my music. And only now do I feel connected to it. And if anything, at an age where most people kind of reevaluate their lives, I'm, I'm, I've never been happier with my music and feel optimistic about it. And I feel like I've grown into my art. And, um, and sincerely, the fact that I'm here is just one of many little signs that are telling me I must be doing something right. So I'm, I feel good. Good, man. Okay, so when did you first find music, guitar? Um, or, or it found you, whatever well, it is. Well, I remember just in, in being 11 years old and all my friends, I mean, some kid, I didn't know it was a bass guitar at the time. I didn't know there was a, such a thing as a bass guitar. I just thought it was guitars and drums. And this kid, friend of mine in, in class, brought on in sixth grade, brought in an electric guitar and of course he looked so cool and then later I found out it was a bass guitar and then maybe that subconsciously planted in my head but um anyway I remember everyone just saying they wanted to get guitars drums and keyboards for Christmas and I just begged my parents that I wanted a guitar and I got my first electric guitar when I was hmm. 11 and uh, I just putzed around the deal was that they would only give me the guitar if I would take lessons so hmm. every Saturday my mom would drive me to a local mom and pop music store in my near my hometown and uh, for six dollars for half hour lessons, and that kind of that kind of started me, I guess, in my education. But my education didn't really kick in until I took up the upright bass when I was thirteen. And um, 
So from guitar to upright bass, the logical marriage was electric bass guitar. Yeah. 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 So for our listeners who may or may not know of you, what um, type of bass guitar, electric bass guitar, do you play? What is your setup? I've settled now into the same bass I've had for 23 years, which is a, a headless bass. The brand name's called Steinberger. In fact, mine's just a cheap knockoff. And, um, and it's an interesting story in that I got it when I was just after graduating Berkeley. When I was at Berkeley, um, you know, everybody was in, you know, enthralled with equipment and wanted to have the best equipment. And, and I had credit back then. My parents gave me a credit card for emergencies. And, but what I ended up was using it to buy a new bass guitar every three to six months, uh, just cause I had this habit of finding something wrong with the bass that I had. I wasn't happy. I thought I had to like find this gold standard of an instrument and really much that was became my first addiction. And mm. I, um, I went through several bases and used up all my credit. And I, I realized I had a problem that I went the other extreme. I actually, I had a $1,500 base that I literally threw away and took the last $300 of my credit and bought a $300 base that I've had now for 23 years. Wow. And I love it. And you couldn't pay me all the money in the world to it. I, I mean, I, I'm prepared for the day that I might lose it, get stolen, break broken. I'm, I'm ready for that. But, um, but you, you couldn't offer me any money for it. I, I just, I'm so attached to it. And I've seen it, on your story that as a spiritualistic and almost um, ritualistic practice, you, you don't clean it as much as you can. It's just uh, same strings. The only time I change a string if it breaks, you know. I mean, and um, I don't. Uh, I well, think why is that? Why is that? A um, couple of reasons. Uh, it, I mean, it's just the other extreme. There, there are really top-notch bass players who have uh, endorsements that change their strings like every three days, which is to me is unimaginable. And their strings are expensive. Bass strings are expensive, and I don't have that luxury, nor do I want it. And uh, although I could go to the middle ground and change my bass strings like most normal people, um, because I play in the subway um, and I'm so playing them, my bass constantly and it's the only bass I own, um, I just believe there's a soul to them and a soul to these strings that just, as long as they're audible, you know, as long as they're in tune, that's my sound. And it's a kind of a dead sound, admittedly. It's not like the most brilliant sounding bass, but... But there's enough processing and, 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 and equipment that can make anything sound however you want it. Yeah, and I also think it's all about context. So one of the things that I think is super unique about your sound is not only your relationship to the electric bass, but it's your voice and how it plays with what you're playing. It's, an, it's, it's not only the, the, the melody, but it's like the timbre of your voice. When you speak of shaping your sound, is that also included? Like, have you taken voice lessons or? Um, no, I've, I've never taken a voice lesson. And I, I was a terrible singer when I started, very pitchy, very insecure. And um, any, any proficiency I have in singing, it's through all the years of just singing my songs over and over again. Mm. And frankly, I know my songs in and out, but I'm not, I don't consider myself a singer. I would, could not, I could not do karaoke. I could not sing covers. I could not do anybody's people's music other than my own. And so the timbre, it's just, it, I don't know, it's kind of in a way written. It was meant to be, I suppose. Um, and, and I think that the reason why I'm able to kind of still comfortably play the subway or why I've been able to survive doing the subway is that 
I think my timbre lends itself. It's pretty, you know, people kind of appreciate that it's not really that obtrusive. And, and, um, mm. and, you know, and, and since I'm not a professional singer and I, I've just, and, and the bass frequency is kind of mellow, I just kind of sing to the bass, you know, as opposed to yelling over kind of low end bass chords just wouldn't really match up well. It's not a conscious thing. It just happened. And, mm. uh, and I'm glad that people, you know, I mean, I've been told that they're, they are in a way inseparable at this point, you know. Uh, Your voice in the, in the, the bass. bass. They yeah. don't really. So do you have any interest in writing for other people? Uh, I do not. I, I um, it's everything to me is, is, is an extension of my personal experience. And um, it's not that I do not, I just, I wouldn't know where to begin. I mean, and um, every mm. song of mine is definitely drawn from my life experience. And um, I was going to ask what, so not only, I have two questions really. One is like, for our listeners who have never heard your sound, how would you describe it? And also, well, no, just, yeah. How would you describe your sound? I suppose intimate, um, um, melodic. You know, there's a lot of melody in my chord. It's a simple setup, but there is a lot of complexity harmonically, melodically going in these chords on bass. And, um, you know, it's that said, I think the word would be instinctual. It's just a just an instinctual sound that's true to my, you know, again, that doesn't really answer your question, what is it, what is my sound, but um, I guess as a reference, you know, people, of course, when they hear original music and all that, I've, through the years, will always chime in and tell me what they think, I, who I sound like, you know, what artist my music reminds me of. And the number one artist that, that comes up more often than not is Nick Drake, they say. That's funny. Yeah, because it's just, and, and you know, it's just a kind of, kind of this minor tone, intimate, simple, kind of, I don't know, baritone kind of melt. You know, I don't know. I don't know what the right range is, but so that's a reference. Mm. Um, but I've been, and then again, though, I've I've been people say I sound like Tom Jones. Some people say, you know, which which is, or I sound like, you know, another one, Mark Knopfler. I've never heard Mark Knopfler. I've never than, heard of that. In Dire Straits, you know. Oh. Uh, and people, kind of these obscure artists that I've never heard of. Elliot Smith. I suppose in terms of the. That's. Kind of, I would say Nick Drake and Elliot Smith have the same level of, of yeah. you know, similarity, because Nick Drake is also. I I think you guys sound completely different to yeah. me, but I would I understand how people how that name would surface. Yeah, I think in terms of the vibe, I agree. Yeah, because I, yeah. I check it out. It's like, oh, all right, if that's what they say. But yeah. I think, it's, if anything, the phrasing, the vocal phrasing, the styling, I suppose. Yep. yep. That's just, and that's just something that's born out of my influences. Um, I grew up. My favorite music growing up was new wave British music. You know, and uh, so a lot. Of, another reference is a lot of people say I sound like Colin Hay from Men at Work, in terms of my my phrasing. But it's truly an organic reflection of who I am. I've never decided I'm going to sound like this. In fact, I mean, my dream was to be in a band and to rock out. And I had did play with a drummer in Boston and played in clubs. But um, there's a whole side of me that I'm kind of a way afraid or to tap into in the subway because I don't, again, want to disrupt. You know, it's, it's, it's a very vulnerable thing to do, even uh, although I've done it for so long. Yeah. Um, I just kind of settled into this kind of mellow, melodic, mellifluous, cyclical kind of style of singing and phrasing. 
that again was just kind of born naturally and yeah and i i agree i also think at least for me and how i hear it and process it which which is kind of irrelevant but i mean with my experience with your music it that seems to be like the auditory pat it seems to be packaging for like what you're speaking about and what i think is so interesting about the circumstances like you're in the subway where i can't necessarily hear every word but you're you know what you're saying and i know that you're saying something i can catch certain things here and there you're very articulate it's just that because of all the noise mm-hmm. and it seems like you it's like sneakily like there are certain musicians that are really good at playing within genres but what i like about your music and what i've heard of it is that it seems to be your frequency and in uh, people like me getting an opportunity to just like peer you know behind the curtain or open the window a little bit and just it's like that gust of of like air like that wind was always going to be there it's like part of it's like your natural the sound that's in you it's like just giving people little pockets of that. Whereas other artists can play really well within genres and you can hear them within the genre, but you don't hear their sound, like their true sound. So, yeah, that's just my thought. But, and, and, and I, you know, the, one of the nicest or interesting things that someone said to me, um, you know, he kind of said it, he was like, you know, man, I, you know, people... Don't may not like what you do, what your songs may not like your sound, but you're obviously being you, and yeah. and and you're being so you that no one's really going to want to touch that and right. disrupt you, you right. know. And 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 I and I thankfully that's the case because I've had peers, other original singer songwriters that, and again, it's a vulnerable thing to do. Like if you you never know who's around the corner who may not like him. They've, they've, I've, I've, I mean, I've had my run-ins with people and the people have, especially the people when they're drunk, will tell me exactly what they think about me and my mm. music and that's kind of way entertaining. But I have to say <laughs> overall, I'm still in the game because you yeah. know, they've, 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 I've had overwhelmingly more positive experiences than negative cool. doing this. That one, I wanted to ask you in person, that one video of the... Um... <laughs> <laughs> the one girl who was asked requesting country and oh, she yeah. was in the Yankees yeah. <laughs> get up what what was that about was she were they toxic teens or were they kind of into your whole they, thing they were all coming from a Yankees game and they're all clearly drunk oh coming and, from okay yeah then and uh they were like you know and um <laughs> yeah and they and I and I and I'm and I'm glad that their friend caught the moment, and I was able to play the one song of mine that's remotely country esque. And they were so drunk, they responded. I could have just said "hee haw," and they would have just gone nuts. Right. And uh, so it was fun, and I, I don't mind. That was that was fun. It was a moment, and yeah. But alcohol is a great ena- enabler for people to express themselves. And um, hmm. I mean, the most blatantly harshest criticism I ever got was from a Russian woman, a young woman, who. Um, who was clearly drunk and slurring and just kind of had this nasty look on her face and she saw me and then she walked past me and then she came back to give me a piece of her mind <laughs> and she was like, everybody hates you. You, I hate you. Stop playing that music. No one what? wants to hear And it was, but she was so clearly, and the way she was dressed, I was, I mean, I, it's always going to sting. You know, you want people to like whatever you do. 
but it was she was so clearly sure. drunk that I was just like bring. I mean, I, it's one of my favorite moments, frankly, and uh, and it's one of the moment you have to be there because if you saw what she looked like and what she was wearing and how she was <laughs> expressing herself, uh, it's just like okay, you know. I mean, just that's just I, every, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Yeah, everyone's entitled to their opinion, and everyone's entitled to drink if they're yeah. of age, which yeah. is kind of a funny <laughs> mixture. But that's a perfect segue, because I was going to ask you, and this question may be annoying, but what are your um, most memorable subway or street performance like um, interactions or encounters? It's a hard question to answer, because I'm drawing a blank in that so much happens. Yeah, um, sure. But I think... Off the top of my head, it's aching to whatever. When people are genuinely moved or having a hard day, and they and and they feel like they tell me that whatever I was performing made their day better, and, and um, you know, and and it's hard to you. It's just, I wish I could, exp- you know, just those moments. I mean, but they're they're so varied. I mean, they're. There are close calls, you know. There are moments where, like, just the other week, um, the hardest thing about this is the other musicians. The territorialness of this—it gets nasty. It's very uncomfortable, and um, you know, considering I have to deal with cops, you know, the unknown about how much I'm going to make, the the chaos and the noise and all that—it's dealing with other musicians. So, like, so you say, what was a fulfilling moment the other week? Um, a bucket drummer set up in front of me. And they're pretty tough, man. They're like, they're, you know, they're there. And they know that they can, any, they'll set up and they'll just drive away anyone who's on the platform if they really want the platform. That's what they tend to do. It's just, it's a hustle and that's what they do. And so I had, I was just so fed up with that happening to me. I confronted him and I'm, I'm a peaceful guy. I've never been into, other than verbal confrontation, I've never gone to any other confrontation than that. Um, what was satisfying is that I held my ground, and he was saying, "You, my man, I'm gonna smack you. You know, you bet. I don't know you, man. I'll smack you. I'll smack you." And he kept on saying that, and I did not flinch. And I got in his face, and I whispered in his ear, "It's like I told him, I'm just not afraid of you." I, and, and it was like, I mean, I said, I actually said more than that, but I don't want to say it here. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but I said it. I mean, I was out of character, but I whispered it in his ear, where he recoiled back, and he was still trying to do his act, and then I did it again peacefully. And he said, like, I'm bugging out, I'm bugging out. And I won. And it was a victory for me. And nice. I couldn't, my adrenaline was so pumping, I couldn't get my guitar jack, instrument jack into my bass. My hand was shaking so much. But once I settled in, I had a euphoric sense of accomplishment because there's nothing worse than someone just pushing you away from when you were, where it was rightly my place to begin with because I was there first. And I mean, man, Christmas holidays gets even nastier because that's where more the, mo- the most money is. And I mean, I've had a, a steel pan drummer pretty much threatened to cut me if if I didn't leave, and uh, and I believed him, and thankfully I have not run into him. Um, so how does this work? So I can't help but draw parallels with things that I do in my life. So in surfing, which is a new thing that I've taken up, there's a thing called a lineup. You paddle out, you make it past all the white water, and you get out there to where you can actually catch the waves. And there's like there's um there's an order to which like who can go and when and what's expected and appropriate and not how, how do you navigate those waters if you will uh in in where you're performing well 
It's understood. It's a first come, first serve. You know, for, you know. So it's like time put in at the spot. Well, no, that's a good point because some people who've been playing regularly at the spot have this sense of entitlement that somehow the spot belongs to them. Most street musicians understand that's not how it works. Oh, so it's first come, first serve, like day to day. Day to day, like whoever, oh, like okay. you know. And what I've learned pretty quickly is that it's in my best interest to build alliances, be friendly with. With, hmm. with other musicians, because then you can kind of negotiate. But if you get nasty right away with someone, territorial, um, then they, they'll usually deliberately will ho- hog the spot so you can't have it. And um, and so, and some of the people that I've had nasty confrontations with have become my friends because we, we work together. And the beautiful thing about Wi-Fi and the subway and technologies, and now if someone really wants a spot, and I feel like I've been kind of occupying it, so I offer them my number and tell them that I... I'd be happy to text them when I'm leaving if they want the spot. Oh wow! And and it's and in New York, I, that's you never know because um, technically what I do is not legal because I use an amplifier. You're not allowed to use amplification, wow. and so that has given me quite a bit of trouble through the years. And uh, I have to say that's another fulfilling thing. It used to be very confrontational with the cops. Now I feel like I've won their respect precisely because hmm. I learned to how to work with them. So if they tell me to go instead of writing me a summons, or worse, they used to arrest me back in the day, um, they now kindly, politely tell me to move along. And sometimes they feel bad telling me, and they say, well, my supervisor's around, and I have to do my job. And I leave immediately. And that only fosters a good relationship with them when they see me again. And if they tell me to leave a certain spot over and over again, I communicate with them why I need to do this so they don't feel disrespected, which has happened before, and then they really then bear down on me if they feel disrespected. And I've, I, I've learned that that's just not the way to be. They would arrest you on the spot? I've been arrested by um, three times. Um, and this was two by the same cop way, years ago because um, he was the head of the undercover unit and he was wanted to use me as an example. And he was zero tolerance back in the day. It, the, it codes in cycles. I mean, it depends who's in office and in, in the mayor's office and who's running the police department. And sometimes there's quotas and they have to fulfill summons, you know, that. But um, it was when I, like I said, I came here in 2000 when Giuliani was still mayor. And he cleaned, admit he did a great job cleaning up the city, I suppose. But along with that came zero tolerance for this quality of life, things like street performing. And so anyway, I was arrested twice in 2001. And then years later, I was arrested again because I had, um, which was kind of unrelated, but nonetheless by cops while playing music. Um, checking my, you know, when they write me a summons, they look at my info on their phone, my, and um, I didn't realize I had an outstanding warrant because I was jogging through Central Park after 1 a.m., and uh, oh, I didn't take seriously considering that. And so I didn't go to court for that summons, and they noticed, so they took me in. But the third time I was arrested was kind of a joy because I kind of already knew the police, and when they put me, they, cu- they have to cuff me. Um, when, they, when I went into the patrol car, my favorite cop was in the front seat. And he did everything possible to expedite my arraignment or whatever you call it. Mm. So, and the first time I was arrested, I didn't know what it entailed. I didn't know that they could keep you up to 72 hours. And since I have no record, prior record, um, really, I'm pretty much off the grid. And they had to kind of figure out who I was. They kept me there for three days. And without oh, telling wow. me how, the process. So my first time, I was, I was really anxious and scared and I didn't know what was going to happen and sure enough when they put me in front of the judge the judge was just embarrassed that I was even there to begin with um and so they let they dismissed me <laughs> and it was the biggest sense of relief I've ever it was a yin and yang from this extreme anxiety to the biggest sense of relief 
and to this day, I would not change it. It was it was a wonderful experience. That's beautiful, especially hanging out with who was in the what they call the tombs in central, mm. in, the, in the center street, where they just corral all these people for over the weekend, and uh, just to see the kind of people that were going in and out of the cells, and and realize that you know you you look at movies and you say everyone's so badass, and you kind of like kind of like hit the first person, you know, like kind of right. like no, everybody kind of rallied together and everyone sharing newspapers and just chatting. It was really. It was a pleasant experience with the other inmates, huh. if that's the word, you know. It's crazy. I mean, in three days, you start to build community even in that exactly. environment. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like, <clears throat> part of me, like, thinks about this city like that, where you have, you, just like jail, if you will, or holding cells or police stations, you think that it's like badass, big cops you know and like people that are the same look the same but with tats and like they smell like cigars that are the criminals or whatever you know it's like but when you go there first of all yeah there are some of those people there there are also a lot of just regular looking people there and people are looking for community and they're looking for connections to be made um like that's my relationship to the city almost too it's like um as an artist, you, you, I mean, you're a musician, you've had people say no to you, whether it be energy or drunk Russian mm -hmm. ladies literally <laughs> saying, stop playing your music. I feel like you can always find that. But on the flip side, you can always find, you can always find community. You can always find the people out there that are looking to like make something beautiful out of the, <laughs> out of the ugly. <laughs> Uh, that's, what, that's kind of what you do. Like a lot of people's commutes are not a good time for them. Yeah, I, I you know, being from Boston and having played on the streets there for several years. Yeah, and that's my hometown. All that, and you know, New York has this aura of being like this tough city and all that. But I absolutely love New York City, and I and I feel so comfortable in my skin because I feel supported by by its people, by the citizens. I just feel. You know, I've had, and plus that I've weathered all these experiences, these Russian ladies, the cops, the other musicians. You know, once you weather yeah. that and yeah. you've gone through it and you're still in the greatest city in the world and like, and the fact that I've done this so long and I feel like it's just so part of me, I, 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 I love this city. I, 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 I just, I feel more comfortable in my skin here than I do anywhere else in the world. Even in the hometown where my daughter lives, which is this quaint New England hometown, uh, I couldn't play on the street there. I would feel so exposed. But you take me back to Times Square, the cops, the dirt. The sm I'm I'm at home with it because I've survived it. I suppose, for lack of a better word. Yeah, I mean, not to not to be too cheesy, if you will, but that I mean, it reminds me of your music and your sound, like on the outside. And sometimes when you're right in the middle of it, it can it can seem like you can, it's easy to like hide behind, you know, the muddiness of the amp or whatever it is that, that you, that you're, the textures and stuff, you know, you can, you can layer yourself, you can bundle up, mm -hmm. you can get lost in the noise, or you can also find like that little, that, that like soaring melody. Like what I, another thing is like your voice is like another string of your guitar. It's like so a part of you and you're so a part of it. And I think that that's what this city can offer you is like through all that noise, you you either make the choice to find the clarity or you get lost in it. And so when I see people like you, it's like, 
it's just a charge for me as an artist. It's a reminder to me to get after it. Well, it's a great thing to hear. Thank you. Anytime the the doors go ding doom and they open and I hear your music, I like fumble for my phone. Like I try to get, cause I just, it's not like, I just want to have it. Like I want to, I want to listen to it more. So, oh, speaking of, didn't, weren't you just in the studio? I was for the first time in ages. And I literally just got back from recording my first demo and I just posted it and I'm waiting for it to get mastered so it's properly posted and then I can stream it. Um, but the fact that I, and this I did it all in one week. I mean, the, the week before I rallied to make the earn the money to pay for the studio time, went to my uh, to that town in, in Northampton, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. where, where I used to live. Um, and and then this past week I was, I, I recorded all day last Friday and from that I called four songs that I felt comfortable with and now I have a four song demo that's up, oh, to, wow. up to date. And um, yeah. So wow, you recorded all day? Just one day and then the rest, the, the hardest thing was just then listening and then coming to accept the, the performances and from that pick the ones that I already knew no matter what I was going to put live with because I have a habit of defeating sabotaging sessions if they don't sound like the way I feel or in my head and so that's why I've gone so many years without new product without songs and um and it's long overdue and um and in my Instagram I share about this my motivation is because I have a 14 year old daughter who's also a singer songwriter and she just makes it look so easy and when she released her third year her third release in two years and I haven't as much released three in 20. <laughs> hmm. um, it was a beautiful thing. I, and, and, I, and so I, it's because of her that I've, I looked in the mirror and said, all right, it's time for me to put out something no matter what. And, I'm, right. and so I'm, I just got back last night or the night before from, and I just posted it. And, it's, and so from doing that to doing this, it's, it's, I, feel like, I feel like I have a certain momentum that now, I, if anything, I want to work harder than ever. You to know. release more music? To release more music or to work the music that I release because right. I'll release something, but then if I don't completely love it, it just kind of sits there. I don't, I've never, you know, I've not played the industry game at all. In fact, I did in Boston and I had a band and I had a residency at a, the best club in town and it got to my head and I said, well, this is it. I'm on my way and it just kind of fizzled out. And then I came to New York and I didn't want to start all that over again. It takes a lot of mental and physical energy to, to promote oneself like that. And I've just kind of settled into a life of playing in the subway because it's so self-contained and immediate. And I'm still clinging to the you know thing like you you know, I would much rather play in the subway where I can expect to make a certain amount of money and you never know who you're going to expose yourself to, than to feeling the stress of having to advance a show in some small club where only your good friends show up and you get paid very little at the end. Um, the only way that I will do clubs now is that if I find the right management that can do all that for me, yeah. um, and 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 I will show up and do the best I can as a performer. But um, but you know, nothing's gonna happen until I have a product, a a, a up to date demo. And so this past week was just the first step out of many I hope to do, take. And it was a big it's just to get over the hump to finally do it. Again, it's it's a kind of momentum I want to seize. And um, and it's long overdue because I, I have, if you've been kind of keeping track of the years, I've been doing this for a long time. And um, and, I'm, and I think it's precisely because I've done it past a certain age, you know, certain prime in music. Um, in a way, this is kind of like my identity. I mean, 
And um, and even even if nothing happens commercially, and I, I believe that I'm taking the right steps to to hopefully opening doors, I just by the fact that I'm here because you saw me in the subway, really, I just have to show up every day and keep playing, and the thing, yeah. everything will take care of itself. Yeah. And and yeah. and and I'm and, and I'm that I've survived and now do it comfortably in what again I call the greatest city in the world. It's like I feel complete and. You know, it's it's so awesome that you said that, everything that you just said. Um, the last part, though, when, when you said all I have to do really is just keep showing up and keep doing it, that's become a theme not only of LFA, Looking for Artists, where um, every artist, independent of the one before and after, um, through all stages and types of success and in trajectories, all of the artists are saying, like, you know, when I'm my ha- when I'm the, the happiest or the most fulfilled or the busiest, because some people like that, you know, is when I'm when I just show up, when I just do it every day, and I think it's like so many people are sitting there waiting for their breakout moment, they're waiting to get recognized or waiting for someone to find them, and it's like no, like you go find yourself in it, and and I think that. Hopefully, like whoever's listening to this will be inspired by what you're doing. Because again, like what you said, it's like a spiritualistic thing. Spiritualism, faith, if you will, it it must be personal. It, you must have a personal connection to it, regardless of you know whether or not you're going to subscribe with an institution like a church, if you will, or a band, you know, and play the industry, whatever it is. It's like. They're all different types of musicians or different types of Christians or different types of painters or different types of, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, it's just show up, do it. So many, um, so many people that I look up to like content creators, if you will, podcasters, artists, they say the same thing. It's a combination of last person standing and luck, which is just preparation meeting opportunity. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, I really only have a couple more prompts or questions really. It's like, because this is spiritualistic for you and because your music is, I think it is for other people as well, there's something to be gained. Even if people are never going to listen to your music, what advice would you give to young musicians out there? Trust your instincts. Try to tune out the voices that are imposed by society, your parents, you know. Try, you know, like, um, that's really it. Or, you know, listen, I, I, I thoroughly believe in God as I understand him or it or the universe and that I've, since the day I was born, and I believe this for everyone, we are exactly where we're supposed to be and whatever trial and tribulation we're feeling is 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 necessary for you to experience the next, turn the, turn the next corner. And so in a way, if I was, my advice is, and this is, I don't think any young person is going to grasp this, I think you just have to live and experience it, but I would say let go and just trust your instincts, your heart, be, and 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 just put your best foot forward and then the wave will carry you. 
Uh, I, and again, I, I'm not satisfied with my answer, uh, to, to be honest. You know, I wouldn't give advice to someone, actually. I would say that everything you're going to experience is you're supposed to experience. And um, so, so if you really want it, go for it. And don't, you know, and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. And, and I think, like you said, you said it best, like spirituality, faith, it's a personal thing. What drives me now is totally personal. And I suffered for many years trying to convince others why I do what I do, uh, falling on deaf ears and embarrassing myself and trying to impose my philosophy. When at the end of the day, it's really up to me, everything in life. And to understand that, um, you can tell a young person that uh, I'm just beginning to understand it, having lived 25 years mm. doing this. And it's that's why I said in the beginning, I've, I've never been happier. And I'm like, it's anything I feel I sincerely feel like my life is opening up precisely because I just, I, I'm the last man standing. And, and that's how it's going to be. And I, and, and, and I don't have, you know, and the day that I check out, if anything, I'll run, like if I, for some reason, suffer the fate of, and I don't think I suffer the fate, the day I die, if it's not when I thought it, it was, it was written since the day I was born. I thoroughly believe that. Um, I don't believe in chance. I don't believe, you know, you have to do this and that, put all these pots in this. No, you do what you do, what just your, your gut tells you to do. And if you honor that, you're, you're doing the, you're doing what's right. It's just instinct natural. That's what animals do. They do what's right. I don't think animals don't live with anxiety. They're afraid and they res respond, but they're just being themselves. Be yourself, I suppose, with that cliche. That would be my yeah, advice. Be yourself. Be yourself. Thank you. Thank you. I think we can end it there. I mean, if you want to, if you want to say anything else, like where people can find you on social media or your music, um, I am a minimalist in every sense, and I've my hub is my Instagram page, which is at Gonzalo Silva Music, and uh, man, and I'm getting a lot of enjoyment because it's my demo. I don't even have to create my demo. The demo, the the, the I mean, the content creates itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just I literally posted something today that was the result of two different passerbys filming and taking a photo at the same moment and it's just and i and i, I wrote I, I couldn't have my page would be nothing if it wasn't for this content and so it gives me more reason to go out there and play so yeah. that's that's all i have to say your stories are awesome thank you <laughs> they're so good i enjoyed uh it's 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 a lot of fun talk about instant gratification you just and plus i see so many crazy things now now i have i'm not, i didn't realize how lonely i was until i got on instagram Oh, yeah. why? How so? I, I mean, I live in my head and I play my music. I'm surrounded. I'm surrounded by the, every walk of life. But now I have uh, now I have an audience that will that's yeah. not there waiting f to go home. You know, that's not there for a couple of minutes until the train comes. I have people that I can share these things that I see in the subway and that yep. I experience. And um, and plus the tools that they give you. Like I'm a creative type. I'm not. I'm, a, I'm also. I draw. I write. I'm a fine art. Like. You have all these creative tools to be the actor, the photographer, the dancer, the model, the, the painter, the, the author, in one 15-second clip if you want. That's how awesome I think. And all off of your phone in real time. I mean, if I, ha I mean, I, it's just, so it's, it's a lot of fun for me. And it's just been, I've only been on Instagram for the past year, and, um, oh, and, really? it, and it's given me a new lease on my music. And, and so, so that's, so like I said, I just have to keep show up and playing and, and I, I'm glad you like the stories because it's, again, that's another vulnerability, you know? Well, so. I like the stories because I like the music. Well, thank you. <laughs> and people will like this podcast because of the frequency that, that you bring. Like this conversation was so great. 
I think for artists of all, like, you know, of all kinds. Um, and, and if I had heard a podcast like this when I was studying music, when I was, um, that, that would have been really empowering for me to hear. So, um, thank you. Thank you. Again, this is, uh, I, I say this a lot and for my list for not my listeners, but the people who listen to this podcast, um, if, you know, if this podcast is a conversation, if you will, like, I would like for it to be an ongoing dialogue. So you're welcome back. And um, this isn't a bookend. It's just kind of like an ellipsis, like dot, dot, dot. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I'll see you uh, on oh, my yeah. commute. That'd be great. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you. This podcast is produced by Rock Rising. Come follow us on Instagram, and if you want to hear more podcasts, visit rockrising.org. Thanks.